Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shirim Adaf Yomi. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. We're now on Masachet Sukkah Daf Chav Vav Amud Aleph at the top of the Amud, continuing our discussion of Shluchei Mitzvah and Oskim Mitzvah, Pturimin HaMitzvah. Amari Rabbi Chananya ben Akav Tanya. Amari Chananya ben Akavya. Kotvei Sfarim Tfilin Umezuzot. People are writing Stam. Hein v'tagarehen. So they and their salesmen v'tagarei tagarehen and the and the retailer. B'chola Oskim Mitzvah Shemaim. Anybody involved in heaven's work. La'atu yeimachrei t'chelet. As a side note, we mean that that also includes those people who sell t'chelet. They are exempt from all mitzvot. As we saw earlier. People who are on a journey where they journey during the day are exempt from sukkah during the day, but they have to sleep in a sukkah at night or in a sukkah at night. For some reason, they're traveling at night. They're, they're obligated during the day. They're traveling 24 hours, meaning around the clock. They're exempt both times. If, on the other hand, they're not travelers, but they're going to do a mitzvah, they're exempt both day and night. These two rabbis, they would come for the Shabbat, of Sukkot, Beresh Kaluta, Havuganu Arakta de Sura. They would sleep on the banks of the river Tigris and Sura, where the Beresh Kaluta's house was, and not in the Sukkah. People who guard the city, the sentries. They're exempt during the day, but at night they're not on duty. They're guarding the city at night. flip it. They guard both day and night. They're exempt both times. Let's say they're watchmen watching gardens and orchards. They're exempt both times. Why don't they just make a sukkah out there in the field? Teishvu, meaning live in the sukkah, has to be similar to Taduro. And after all, they are... Um, they would not live in their house when they're out in the field, and so therefore the Torah doesn't obligate you to suddenly carry a sukkah with you if you wouldn't carry your house with you in such a circumstance. Ravamar Pirza Koret Laganav. He says a different thing. When you have an opening, uh, it, uh, it summons the Ganav to come, as it were. So my Benayu, Beik Benayu, the Kamanter, um, Karya de Pere. So where would that be a little bit different? He said, uh, because after all, if they got the robber's problem is if the Ganav sees that he's sitting in there at night, he'll figure he's asleep and he'll rob the place. So let's say that you have a pile of fruits instead of fruits that are on the tree, then you could make a sukkah theoretically, and robber's concern would be allay, uh, assuaged, uh, and, uh, and then we would only have a vayas issue of teshvu kentaduru. Okay, chol misham sham, tanarbanan, cholashamru. So the Mishnah said that people who are sick and their caregivers are exempt. So tanarbanan, cholashamru, we're not talking about somebody who's in danger. Even if he's not in danger. Even if he just has a headache or an eyeache. I was in Caesarea and I had an ache in my eyes. Rabbi Yossi 
uh, Baribi is a title, it was Rabbi Yosef at Chalafta, allowed me and my caregivers to stay outside of the sukkah. So, uh, Rav allowed this Rav Acha from Bardala, that's where he was from, uh, to sleep inside a canopy inside of a sukkah, something we dealt with in the first parak, uh, whether you could sleep in such a thing, um, uh, because of the, um, uh, the, the, the gnats that were biting, uh, and he allowed him to do that, which means essentially it was a, he's part of the sukkah. Um, Rava allowed the Shavachabarada to sleep outside of the sukkah because there was a smell of the dirt in the sukkah it was very bad, and so he was mitzta'er. Rav is following his own reasoning. If you're mitzta'er, you're exempt. But a Mishnah that exempted sick people seems to imply that if you're just uncomfortable, you're chayav. The difference is that if you're sick, then even your caregivers are exempt. But if you're not feeling well, then only you're exempt, meaning if it's uncomfortable, only you're exempt and not those who are part of your party. Okay, the Mishnah said, "Ochlim achilat aray chutz la'sukah." Kama achilat aray? How much is a snack? Yosef tarte otlat bei two or three kibetzes. Rabbi, v'hazinin sagin sagin lele inish pahachis. Sometimes that's enough for somebody. V'havel esudat keva. That's your meal. Rabbi, can a time bar beira v'ayel lekala? Just like one of the students would eat a little snack before going in to hear the drasha, just something to settle his stomach. You can eat a light meal, a snack, outside of the sukkah. Not a meal, but a light snack. But you cannot sleep even a nap outside the sukkah. Because if you take a nap, you might really fall asleep. You're allowed to doze off while wearing tefillin, but you can't lie down like bed. Why didn't you make the same decree? There were a precaution that he might fall asleep. That's when you tell somebody else, keep an eye on me, that I don't really fall asleep. Who says that guy's going to keep an eye? He needs somebody to watch him. We're talking about a person who puts his head between his knees, meaning he's clearly not going to fall asleep very well. He's just dozing off. Rava says, there is no thing, such thing as keva. For sleeping, meaning a meal, you have such a thing as sudat keva. But the reason that you cannot take a nap outside of the sukkah is because any kind of sleep is considered keva. Now, as far as tefillin goes, it's a different problem because tefillin, the concern is how deeply you're going to sleep and then what, what control you may lose over your body. We have one brighter that says you could have this nap, as it were, dozing off in tefillin. That you could do either. And Brother Bright says you could do neither. So look, Kasha. One is if you're holding them in your hands. There's if you're wearing them. If you cover them, if you cover them up, you could sleep as much as you want. If you're carrying them in your hand, if you hold them in your hands, you could have light sleep. And if you're there on your head, you can't sleep at all. How much is light sleep? And the amount of time it takes to walk, a um, uh, hundred amat. <clears throat> so, just to go back and clarify, the Shenat Arai is mutar 
when they're when you're wearing them, but not shenat keva. And neither one is when you're holding them in your hands, because they might fall out of your hands. Okay, and therefore the question is, how much is shenat awry that you're allowed to do while having to fill on your head? Let's say you are wearing tefillin and suddenly you have a carry. You hold on to the strap. You don't hold on to the tefillin themselves. You could t- sleep a light nap in tefillin. How much is that? Again, enough to walk a hundred In general, during the day, you should not sleep more than a horse sleeps. Chamashinata sus shitin nishmi the sixty breaths like uh, I guess we'd call it sixty winks. By ashenta the mar kiderav, my master that's Rabba's sleep was like Rav who derav kerebi and Rav slept like Rebbe did who derebi kider David and that was like the stories about David who David kider susia David slept like a horse who susia shitin nishmi and that was sixty sixty uh, winks. By having nine kider ma'ayol bepumadita lebechuvi. Abaye slept the amount of time it took to go from Pumadita to Bekubi. His Rebbe said to him, said about him, the Pasuk and Mishle, when are you, lazy boy, going to get up from your sleep? Let's say it's during the day and you come in and take a nap. You could put, you take your tefillin off, you could put tefillin on. At night, you have to take them off and you can't put them on. Kids should always take them off and not leave them on. Because they're always messing around with things. So it sounds like Rabbi Yossi, who makes this comment about Yiladim, which evidently means young men, says that a Balkari can't wear tefillin. We're talking about young men who are with their wives. Because then they may indeed have relations with the tefillin on. Let's say you forgot and you indeed had relations with your tefillin You don't hold the strap or the uh, the the, uh, the box itself. Until you wash your hands, then take them up. Because your hands have been in all sorts of other places. Okay, we now have a Mishnah. They brought on Sukkot, they brought Yochanan and Zakai some food to taste. Uh, and, they, and this is uh, this is from something we saw in, in the first parak already. They brought him two dates worth and um, and uh, a pail of water. And in both cases, they said, put them, bring them up to the sukkah. They say, halum, because typically sukkot were on the roof. When they gave a ritzadok food that was less than kibetzah, he took it in a napkin, and he ate it outside of the sukkah, didn't go into the sukkah, and he did not make bracha achrona afterwards. By the way, this is a story, I take it back, that we saw it at the end of Yoma in the context of the shirim of Kokotevet. Is it bigger or smaller than a kibetzah? Now, Maseli's store, is this Mishnah coming in order to refute what we said earlier about Achilat Arai? The answer is, There's something missing, and it's as follows, If you'd like to be more stringent, you may. It's not considered to be haughty for you to be machmir and eat everything in the sukkah. And they said, take them up to the sukkah. Point being that this was uh, an appropriate level of stringency.
which was the regular letter of the law, he ate it outside of the sukkah. Now it was less than the kibetza. Ha kibetza by sukkah. So you see that if it was more, that it was a kibetza, you need the sukkah. So lega te'avetiyuv to the Rav Yosef Abaye, because if you remember, Rav Yosef and Abaye both claim that kibetza is um, is uh, is not the proper shear for sukkah. So dilma pachod mi kibetza ntilal bracha lo bai ha kibetza bai ntilal bracha. Maybe what that meant was that he had to wash his hands and say bracha chronaf was kibetza, but maybe for the sukkah you'd actually need to have. Um, uh, more than a kibetza, and maybe kibetza is not the, uh, is not the minimal shear for the sukkah. So Abaye and Rav Yosef's positions still could be defended. Okay, the next Mishnah. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, You have to eat 14 meals in the sukkah, one every evening, one every day, of, su- of the seven days of sukkot. There is no set amount. Eat as little or as much as you want. Except for the first night of Sukkot, you're obligated to eat there. Since Rabbi Yezer has this count of 14, he also has the chance for a makeup. If you miss the first night, you could eat on the end of Sukkot, meaning Shviniyat and that's how you make it up. You can't make it up either. We saw this in great detail in Chagiga, but uh, here the Pasuk, you can't fix that which is crooked, and you can't make up that which was was uh, was missed, and if you missed it, you can't make it up. Of course, in Chachamim's world, there's nothing to make up, because you have as few or many meals as you want, except for the first night. What's Rabbi Eliezer's reason? For having 14 meals, you have to live in the sukkah like you live at home. Just like at home, you eat a meal at night and a meal during the day. Same thing in the sukkah. For Rabbanon, say, correct. When you're at home, you eat if you want to. If you don't want to, you don't eat. If you want, if you don't want to eat, if you're not hungry that day of Sukkot, you don't have to eat. So it should be true even the first night of Sukkot. Both Sukkot and Pesach are defined by date as being on Chamisha Asar of their respective months. And the Gzera Shav is Malan Laila Bishon Chova, just like on Pesach, the only time you're obligated to eat Matz is the first night. And the rest of the week is all Rashut. Same thing that the first night of Sukkot is an obligation. And the rest of it is Rashut. How do we know that uh, on Pesach, the first night is an obligation? That's playing fast and loose with the punctuation of the Pasuk. But in the evening, you must eat Matzot. The text made it a Chovan obligation to eat Matzah on the first night of Pesach. Okay, then Rabbi Eliezer had the second comment about the makeup. So, if you have to eat 14 meals, then how do you do this makeup? He changed his mind. So, how do you make up this meal? Then, if it's meal, you're eating the Shminyatzeret meal. That's the meal. Have some extra snacks, and that'll make up for the meal you missed. 
Tanya Namihachim, Hishlim, Minetagim, Ayatza. We have a bright day like that. Shalap Utropos shall Agrippas Hamelech Rebeliezer. So, Agrippas the kings, um, um, sort of trustee, uh, asked, uh, Rebeliezer, Gnon Anish, Eni Ragel Achol Ela Sudachat Payom. I eat one meal a day. Mao Shochal Sudachat Repater. Can I eat one meal on Sukkot a day? But every day you eat some more snacks for your own glory. You won't have one more extra snack for God? I've got two wives, one in this city, one in that city. I've got a sukkah in each city. Can I live and can I go from one sukkah to the other? Amar lo, because Rav Lezer Shitas, we've already heard with Shani Omer, you've left the, the uh, you've destroyed the mitzvah, as it were, um, of the first mitzvah, of the first sukkah, uh, because, uh, as Rav Lezer Shitas, we're going to see momentarily, is that you have to stay in the same sukkah all seven days. And therefore, if after four or five days you go to your other sukkah, where the other wife is, then all first five days you've lost. Tanya Rav Lezer Omer, there you have it. You can't go from one sukkah to another. You also can't make a sukkah because you have to have it for all seven days. They disagree on both points. Rebelezer agrees that if it fell down, you could rebuild it on Cholomoy. So what's the reason for his position, which is really a consistent position about a seven-day sukkah? You have to make a festival of Sukkot for seven days. You have to make a Sukkah fit for seven days. The Rabbanon say this is what the Torah means. <coughs> make a Sukkah in the Chag for the Chag. Obviously you can rebuild it. You might argue that this is a different sukkah. It's not a seven-day sukkah. So, Kamash Malan, that since it was up for the first four, and now you're going to rebuild it, it'll be up for the next three, it is a seven-day sukkah. So, Blazo says, just like you cannot use somebody else's lulav on the first day, as we're going to see soon in the third parak. You can't be yotze with anybody else's sukkah. It has to be yours. You may use somebody else's sukkah, which means you could be a guest in somebody's sukkah or go from sukkah to sukkah. All citizens will live in the sukkah, which means they could all sit in one sukkah, which means it belongs to one person, and all the rest are visitors. So what do they do with Chag HaSukkot Gzula, As opposed to a sukkah Gzula, which we've already dealt with, So the Torah pulls in two different directions. Lecha, you have to own it. You don't have to own it. So you don't have to own it, meaning if you borrowed it or you're a visitor. Lecha means you can't, it can't be stolen. What does Rebbe Lezer do with Kol Ezrach? Ba'ilei le'gersh n'kayar b'intayim. Anch k'ndel n'kayar b'intayim. 
Even though Rabbi Lezer says you have to live in a sukkah for seven days, if somebody converted during Sukkot, or a katan became bar mitzvah during Sukkot, he is chayav for the rest of the holiday. For Rabbanon came in Shemruah, sin sukkah v'choshemoy, the Yitzchayach Kral. Rabbanon don't need that, because after all they hold that um, that a uh, person um, that a person uh, is chayav uh, to um, to uh, live, can live in the sukkah for even part of the time, so therefore they don't need a pasuk to tell us that a convert in the middle or a katan shigdil in the middle is chayav. Okay, we'll pause at this point, we'll pick it up with the last podcast, and this is the second parak, in the meantime, we should have a wonderful day.